Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Thursday, April 7th, 2022, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Well, we know today is a historic day, and millions of people around the country were watching the uh Senate take the final vote to confirm um, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to be the 116th uh, U.S. Supreme Court Justice. I, I watched it live and uh, I shared um, an article from the USA Today about it uh, on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. And, um, you know, we talked about this on yesterday's show that um it would uh the the vote would probably take place today the final vote we know that there was a a procedural vote um that was ended up being 5347 there was a procedural vote uh on wednesday and uh to get it out of the uh senate judiciary committee okay the vote deadlocked in the senate judiciary committee it was uh 11 11 then it went to the uh senate for the senate uh, full floor in the senate for a vote which was a procedural vote and that was 53 47 and three republicans uh voted for her uh and then the full confirmation uh vote took place today and that ended up being 53 47 also okay all right, so uh, we're going to talk about that uh, on today's show. And uh, there's some very interesting things that took place today, okay? And I'll, I know Roland Martin talked about this uh, today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, and I'll be, uh, I'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. But Senator Tim Scott, the only African-American senator, Republican uh, voted against her, okay? And you had three uh, Republican senators that voted for uh, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. You had uh, Senator Mitt Romney of uh, Utah, uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Senator um, Susan Collins of Maine also, okay? So you only had three Republicans uh, that voted for her and you could tell that um, there was a, you, you can tell from uh, the expressions of some of the Republicans that they were uh, upset, okay? You saw Republicans walking out after, walking out of the Senate chambers after the uh, confirmation, uh, after the confirmation vote was taken. Uh, the only, the only Republican senator that stayed was Senator Mitt Romney, and he, he stood clapping. He was by himself. Uh, all the other Republican senators left, uh, basically left out of uh, the chamber. So we're going to talk about what happened today. And then there's a, um, a another story that I did not get a chance to get to uh, the past couple of days. Uh, yesterday we talked about Amir Locke. If you missed yesterday's show, it's uh, 
on our social media platforms, the African History Network on Facebook and Michael M. Hotep on YouTube. OK, so uh, even if I'm not, I'm not here on 910, I still brought I, I am on network. I still broadcast. So and then follow us on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app because uh, I have over a thousand audio podcasts on my shows. I think iHeart has 300, 400 audio podcast search for the African history network show on iHeartRadio. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms, including in addition to me being on Facebook and YouTube. Okay. So, um, wherever you get your audio podcast from search for the African history network show, you'll find me. All right. So the final vote was 53 47 today. I'm going to let you hear in just a minute here. Here's some of what happened. Uh, then this is other story that we want to talk about. And I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday because we dealt with Amir Locke and, uh, the, uh, Hennepin County prosecutor, uh, as well as the, uh, state attorney general, uh, found there was not enough evidence to bring charges against the officer who shot and killed Amir Locke. We went through and broke down all that and dealt with what the law is in the state of Minnesota. So go back and watch uh, that broadcast also. Follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, because we have all these shows archived there, and we rebroadcast all these shows throughout the day, okay? Um, Tennessee so has passed a what they call a divisive concept bill. Tennessee has passed a divisive concept bill, which is another which is another uh, critical race theory or anti-critical race theory bill. And this one is targeting colleges. It's targeting what uh, can be taught in colleges. Okay, so. Uh, back uh, around March 21st, it passed the uh, state Senate. It's already passed the state House and the state Senate in Tennessee. And it looks like it's going to be signed into law by Republican Governor Bill Lee. So we're going to talk a little bit about this as well. And um, critical race theory, we know is not taught in K through 12. But it's taught in law schools, basically law schools, and it's taught in uh, graduate schools and sometimes in undergraduate schools. All right. Um, so we're, we're going to uh, deal with this as well. And the bill, the bill is kind of vague also, which causes another set of problems. All right. But uh, Fox 13 out of Memphis, Tennessee, um, has this article that will discuss Tennessee divisive concept bill targeting colleges advances tennessee divisive concept bill targeting uh bill targeting colleges advances all right so we'll, we'll discuss this also in news1.com and black america web have articles dealing with this as well all right on the african history network show we focus on educating empowering and inspiring people of african descent Throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right, uh, because right now it's creates your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. 
All right, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Uh, there was a good article. So I read a few articles today on this Washington Post, New York Times, ABC News. There's also a good one from um, uh, New York Times that dealt with African-American female law school students at Howard University. We'll take a, a brief look at that also. But if we look at this one here from uh, NBC News, we're going to clip one, Shakita from C-SPAN. Senate confirms. Katanji Brown Jackson to Supreme Court in historic vote. Uh, Just Jackson is set to become Justice Jackson later this year, making good on uh, President Biden's promise to uh, put the first black woman on the Supreme Court. So the uh, Judge Jackson became the first black woman to be elevated to the superior to the Supreme Court. When the Democratic-controlled Senate on Thursday confirmed President Joe Biden's pick. Now, the final vote was 53-47, with all 50 Democrats, uh, all 50 Democratic caucus members supporting Judge Jackson, joined by Republicans uh, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney. Uh, In a symbolic moment, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, the first black woman elected uh, to be vice president, presided over the vote. And this is what happened uh, today with Vice President Kamala Harris presiding over the vote. Let's go to this clip. On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. So, so those watching on Facebook and YouTube, okay, so you see over to the left is only one by himself is Mitt Romney clapping Under the himself. previous order. All right, all the other Republicans walked out, and you saw Tim the motion Ted Cruz to walk behind him and walk away. Left Mitt Romney there clapping the by himself. Mitt Romney voted for him. And the president will immediately be notified okay, let, of the let, Senate's let, action. let it play. So, Madam uh, President, very happily, I make the absence of a quorum. On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed.
Under the previous order, <laughs> the motion to reconsider is considered made and laid upon the table, and the President will immediately be notified of the Senate's action. Madam President, very happily, I note the absence of a quorum. The clerk will call the roll. Ms. Baldwin. Okay, okay, you can pause it right there. Just back it up to the 16 second mark. We're going to play that again on the other side of the break. So what happened was, so Senator Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, he's, he noted that there was not a quorum. The reason why is you need, I think a quorum is three-fifths. Usually three-fifths of the, of the voting body needs to be there. They walked out. The Republicans walked out. That's what he was noting. Okay. After that, and you just saw Mitt Romney. <laughs> he, Mitt Romney was the only Republican clapping. The other Republicans left out. You saw them all following the line and all walk out together. Okay. So, <laughs> so that was funny today. All right. We're coming up on a break. We're going to see this on the other side of the break. We'll do with what happened um, uh, today with the uh, final vote and the confirmation of uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. If we go back to this article from NBC News uh, very quickly here. here. Uh, so Jackson and, and Biden watched at the White House. Uh, their pictures uh, um, on Joe Biden's Twitter page, at POTUS on Twitter. Now, the vote means that Judge Jackson will take office at the end of the court's current uh, term, likely in June or July, when Justice Stephen Breyer is expected to step down. So then she'll be sworn in. Her appointment would not disrupt the current 6-3 conservative balance on the Supreme Court. However, it's not clear how much longer um, Clarence Thomas is going to be there, who is the uh, once Stephen Breyer steps down, Clarence Thomas will be the oldest uh, Supreme Court justice at 73. And he's in a bit of a pickle uh, de dealing with his wife and dealing with not recusing himself on um, when it came to uh, one of the cases uh, dealing with the uh, uh, White House documents uh, tied to uh, the January 6th insurrection. Also not recusing himself from that. And he was the only one who voted not to release the documents. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. All right. Calling numbers 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a, a question or comment. 
Okay, uh, I want to go um, back to this article quickly. Then we're going back to that clip from C-SPAN, Shakita. Then we'll go to clip number two. Um, okay, so this is from NBC News. Um, Senate confirms Ketanji Brown Jackson to Supreme Court in historic vote. All right, now, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said this was a wonderful day, a joyous day, an inspiring uh, an inspiring day for the Senate, uh, for the Supreme Court in the United States. Um, he said, calling uh, Judge Jackson brilliant, beloved, and, and saying she belongs on the Supreme Court. This is one of the great moments of American history, end quote, he said. Now, um, the Grim Reaper, uh, and, I, and I heard this idiot today, um, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky. Um, he, Mitch McConnell unsuccessfully fought to scuttle Judge Jackson's nomination in recent weeks. Today, he said, these days, the Senate takes an assertive role. In particular, most senators do not merely check resumes and basic legal qualifications, but also look into judicial philosophy, he said on Wednesday. Now, he, he, he slid in a little sli a, a, a snide remark today talk, talking about uh, a writer who said the Constitution is trash. He was referring to Ellie Mustall. OK, and he's trying to associate Ellie Mustall with Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson and say, oh, the far left want her. She's radical and all this stuff like that. Right. Just just a bunch of nonsense, but just scared white people. This is what it is. Um, Ellie Mustall was on Roland Martin's show today. Roland Martin unfiltered. I'll be on Roland's show tomorrow uh, on Friday. I'm panelist each Friday on Sunday show. We'll get deeper into this and. We'll share some segments from me being on Roland Martin and filtered on Friday, but I'm going to share some segments of what Roland discussed today uh, because Ellie Mustall went and, and talked about his book, The Constitution is Trash. Ellie Mustall is an attorney. He's not saying get rid of the Constitution, but he's calling out some of the hypocrisies and talking about America living up to uh, what they put on paper, which is the same thing Dr. King said. But he also is talking, Ellie Mustall also is talking about expanding the Supreme Court from nine to uh, I think he wants 13 Supreme Court justices, something like that, because it has not always been nine. Um, 1869, uh, the Judiciary Act of 1869 increased the number of justices from eight to nine. It started out, I think it started out with five. It, 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 it went up to eight at one point, then nine. It has not always been nine Supreme Court justices. Uh, McConnell and other Republicans have criticized Judge Jackson, a judge on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for Washington, D.C. They've criticized her for not embracing originalism, a framework of narrow constitutional interpretation popular in conservative legal and activist circles. Some have accused her of having issued lenient sentences and cases involving child exploitation when she was a trial judge, she did, you know, she, her sentences fell within the guidelines, fell within her authority. Senator Amy Klobuchar broke this down. Um, uh, broke. I think we dealt with that two days ago. Senator Amy Klobuchar uh, 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 explained that, okay? So it's, they, they, Republicans basically focused on four cases. They know they were lying. 
And one of the things that Ellen Mustall pointed out, and, and I've heard this before also, even before Ellen Mustall talked about this. Um, you remember a few a few years ago where you had the um uh the shooting at the pizza parlor. Um and it was I, I can't I think it was um in Washington, DC. Okay. Um but it was it was involving uh pizza uh, pizza gate, pizza gate conspiracy theory. Okay. And you remember the um uh the shooting that took place there. Uh you had this guy who um it was a conspiracy theory that there were children being kept in the basement of the pizza parlor. The pizza parlor didn't have a basement. This guy goes there with a um uh assault rifle and shoots up the place. Okay. The reason why uh his name is Edgar Madison, Edgar Madison Welch. I'm sorry. Uh, Edgar Madison Welch. Okay. The reason, one of the main reasons why Republicans were attacking just Jackson on uh, just a few of the cases she handled dealing with child pornography and lying about her record, smearing her record, things like this. Judge Jackson was the judge that sentenced this idiot. Edgar Madison Welch to four years in prison, who was the one who shot up the pizza parlor. Okay. This dumbass right here. Okay. It just Jackson, just Katanji Brown Jackson, the black woman was the guy that sent it was the woman who sentenced this white guy who went and shot up the pizza parlor based upon this conspiracy theory. Okay. Now this article here is from June 22nd, 2017, the North Carolina. So the name of this article, go research this pizza gate, Gunman Edgar Madison Welch sentenced to four years in prison. Okay. A federal judge said Thursday that even though Edgar Madison Welch didn't harm anyone, his unsound actions, quote, literally left psychological wreckage, end quote. All right. Um, the North Carolina man who fired a rifle inside a Washington, D.C. pizzeria as he chased down an internet rumor related to Hillary Clinton was sentenced Thursday to, uh, to four years behind bars. Edgar Madison Welch, 28 years old, had pleaded guilty in March of 2017 to two charges stemming from the December 4th incident at the Comet, the Comet Ping Pong restaurant, the Comet, ping pong restaurant or just the comet pizzeria. Okay. This is known as pizza gate. You remember this back in 2017 prosecutors. Um, so, so sorry, the, the, the shooting took place in December 4th, 2016. This, uh, article is from, uh, June, 2017 prosecutors say he was self investigating an online conspiracy theory dubbed quote unquote Pizzagate that claimed the pizzeria was harboring a child sex trafficking ring 
with connections to influential Democrats. Washington police and the FBI denied the theories had any substance. This is a bunch of nonsense, conspiracy theory, just like the QAnon BS that has infiltrated the white nationalist party, also known as the GOP, the Republican Party. Federal Judge Tanji Brown Jackson said Thursday that even though uh, Edgar Welch didn't harm anyone, his unsound actions literally left psychological wreckage, according to the Associated Press. Now, what these dumbasses in these, these white nationalists, white supremacists, it, uh, Republicans who were attacking her on the uh, pornography cases and her sentencing, which fell in line with the sentencing guidelines, actually. They didn't bring up this case. Why didn't, why didn't they bring up this case? Because they didn't want to expose their hand. They, because the whole child pornography stuff plays to the QAnon faction of the Republican Party. But they didn't want to expose the hand and say, wait a second, this, 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 this is the black judge that sentenced this idiot following a conspiracy theory. She's the one that sentenced him to prison. Go read this article and connect the dots. Pizzagate gunman Edgar Madison Welch sentenced to four years in prison. This is why you had these idiots like uh, Ted Cruz, who went to school with Judge Jackson. Ted Cruz is jealous. You know he'll never be nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. Ted Cruz is jealous. You have people like Josh Hawley of Missouri. You had people like uh, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, who thinks they're that there should be more people in prison. Yeah, you should start 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 with those traitorous Republicans in the House, in the Senate, who voted not not to confirm uh, the twenty twenty presidential elections. Start with those traitors. Start with the traitors in the Senate who voted not to convict Donald Trump and violated their constitutional oath to defend the Constitution against enemies, both foreign and domestic. So yeah, there should be more people in prison. Start with them. Okay. So see. You have to understand politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So we have to understand everything we do. Politics impacts every, uh, uh, the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat. Everything is regulated and governed by politics, law, policies. All that's connected, okay? So read this article here from NBC News. Uh, June 22nd, 2017. Okay. All right. Now who is explaining this to you, by the way, just curious who's been explaining this stuff to you besides me. We're coming up on the break. On the other side of the break, we're going to let you hear more of what happened today. Then we're going to deal with the story out of Tennessee that deals with critical race theory. And Tennessee has passed this div divisive, uh, concept bill targeting, critical race theory being taught in colleges. Okay. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, 
Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation, the future radio. All right, call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Hey, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're celebrating our 12th year anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. Uh, first started uh, March 10th, 2010. And um, it's been six years here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Actually, this month, uh, this month has been uh, six years here on 9, 10 also. So that helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. Um, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the uh, 10-week online class uh, that I teach, uh, history class, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Now, we have a lot of content already archived. Uh, so as soon as you register, there's nine weeks of a class that you can watch, and you can join me in class Saturday, April 9th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to do actually more than 10 weeks, but we already have nine weeks archived. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, all of that. You can even use this information with your children. I would say the, the content is PG-13. We did, And uh, we also deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. And then uh, we have a bundle pack because you can – uh, register for both classes I teach on Sundays. It's uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for only $100. That's a $260 value. The classes are on sale, $60 each right now, regularly $130, but we have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for $100. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, uh, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. You get a 50% discount, okay? But you can watch the classes from uh, around the world, and you can watch anytime because we have uh, most of the content already archived. All right, I want to go back to uh, our lead story here dealing with 
uh, the confirmation of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. And uh, Shakita, let's go back to uh, clip number one at the 16 second mark. Um, clip number one from C-SPAN. The overwhelming emotion was just laid evident. I talked to the staff, met people who worked before clip, in the Senate that has been there for you know, some decades. Okay. Shakita, clip number one from, from C-SPAN. All right, stop, stop the clip. All right, uh, I'm not sure what happened. Okay, go back to clip number one from C-SPAN. U.S. Senate confirms Jessica Tanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. Cue it up at the 16-second mark, please. We'll go back to that in just a second here. All right. Um, so I'll give you a minute to get that up, and then we'll go back to that. Uh, in the meantime, if we go back to the article here from NBC News. Um, so Mitch McConnell was sour grapes today. He had a sad look on his face on the Senate floor. He had a sad look on his face on the Senate floor. Um, Mitch McConnell and other Republicans have criticized Judge Jackson, uh, a judge on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for for Washington, D.C., for not embracing originalism, which is a framework of narrow constitutional interpretation popular in conservative legal and activist circles. Some have also accused her of having lenient sentences in cases involving child exploitation when she was a trial judge. Before the vote on Thursday, Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky faulted uh, Judge Jackson for not denouncing the insane concept of court packing during her confirmation hearing. Now, Judge Jackson had declined to answer about court packing, saying the size of the court is a decision for Congress and not judges, echoing a similar punt by conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett who McConnell supported in 2020 and court packing expanding the size of the court is up to Congress to decide. Okay. The, the, the Congress does that the legislative branch of the federal government. All right. Uh, so let's go uh, just a second here. Let's go back to um, this clip from uh, today in the, in the Senate on this vote. The A's are, the A's 53, are 53, the nays are 47, the nays are 47 and this nomination, and this nomination is confirmed.
Under the Under previous, the previous order. order. The motion, the motion to, reconsider to reconsider is considered, is considered made and laid, made upon, and laid the upon the table. And the president, and the president will, immediately will immediately be notified, be notified of the Senate's action. action. Madam President, Madam president very, very happily, I note the absence, I note the absence of a quorum. <laughs> The clerk will call the roll. Just called one. Okay. Why doesn't every home? Okay. All right. So I just want to play that again. That's funny. Okay. If you saw the look on some of those Republicans' faces, uh, uh, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham didn't have a tie on, and you have to, for men, they have to have a tie on to come into the Senate chambers. He didn't have a tie on. So. He 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 stayed outside the door. He just shot it through the door. He was voting no. Uh, they, they were trying to hunt down uh, Senator Rand Paul. That's why the vote was delayed. Trying to uh, hunt down Senator Rand Paul. He didn't have a tie on either. Uh, he voted no uh, as well. So there's a um, uh, there's a good article from New York Times. New York Times has some really good coverage on this. Uh, Washington Post has good coverage on this also. I was looking at the live updates from Washington Post and New York Times today. Uh, we belong in these spaces. Jackson's su successors reflect on her nomination. And this deals with um, African-American women who are at Harvard Law School right now in their thoughts. Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson, who was confirmed to the Supreme Court on Thursday, will be the first black woman to serve as a justice. Here's what that means to black women at her alma mater. Okay, Harvard. Here's what that means to black women at her alma mater. And uh, I think it was on, was it the last word tonight? Or it was one that I can't remember was the last word or all in. I can't remember. I watched all of them. Um, the uh, The woman who is the president of the Black Law Association um, at Harvard, uh, Maria K. Watson. She was interviewed uh, tonight. I, I think it was all in with Chris Hayes. She was on. Uh, to many of the women who belong to the Harvard Black Law Students Association, the nomination of Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court has felt deeply personal. Judge Jackson, an alumna of, uh, alum of uh, both Harvard Law School and the association, the Harvard Black Law Students Association, was confirmed uh, by the U.S. Senate on Thursday and will become the first black female justice in, in the Supreme Court's 233-year history. Okay, so there's been 116 Supreme Court justices. Uh, you've had uh, 100 and, um, 108 uh, uh, white men, okay, previously. She'll be the first African-American female. Many of the women in the association have followed the nomination process closely, inspired by Judge Jackson's selection and identifying with the barriers in her way. They spoke of walking through the same halls of power that have traditionally been dominated by white Americans, feeling the same pressures of having to be near perfect feeling the same pressures of having to be near perfect and wearing the same natural hairstyles 
that have been discriminated against. This is why this is why the Crown Act is so important. And the, remember the Crown, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The Crown Act is passed the House of Representatives. Uh, only 14 Republicans voted for it. Some of the Republicans said we don't have time for it, but that also deals with economic issues and education opportunities, educational opportunities. Now we have to push it through the Senate. It's going to need 60 votes in the Senate, the Crown Act. The, the hostile questioning of Judge, uh, that Judge Jackson faced at her confirmation hearings was all too familiar. Some women said reminiscent of their own experiences in classrooms and workplaces. Her nomination also highlighted the relative rarity of African-American women in the legal profession. Only 4.7% of lawyers currently are African-American and just 70 black women uh, have ever served as a federal judge, just 70, seven zero. Only 70 African-American women have ever served as a federal judge representing fewer than 2% of all such judges. Only 4.7% um, uh, of lawyers are, are black, okay, or African-American. As of October, about 4.8% of those enrolled in the law program at Harvard or 84 people identified as black women compared with just 33 black women in 1996 when Judge Jackson graduated. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note Investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars, they close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right. I want to go back to um, 
this article here. We're going to clip two in, uh, in just a minute here, Shakita. I want to go back to this article from uh, the New York Times here in just a minute. And uh, also, if you want to support the African History Network, dial a sign The AHN Show through Cash App. Dial a sign The AHN Show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash The AHN Show. And we have the information right on the homepage uh, of our website, also African History Network. Uh, dot com. And when you go to our cash app account, it says dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W, that's our tag. Uh, it'll say Michael and show my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network cash app accounts. That's not us. I'm trying to get those shut down. And we have the link here and also the PayPal button. Okay, so I want to go back to this article here from um, the New York Times. And this is dealing with. Um, African-American female law students at Harvard University, um, her alma mater, Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson's alma mater. Uh, her nomination also highlighted, highlighted the relative rarity of black women in the legal profession. Only 4.7% of lawyers are black and just 70 African-American women have ever served as federal judges. Okay. Uh, those statistics are isolating said Maria K. Watson, uh, the president of the uh, Harvard um, Harvard Law Students Association, okay, the Harvard uh, Black Law Students Association, and Harvard Black Law Students Association, and uh, Maria um, K. Watson was interviewed uh, tonight on uh, or today on MSNBC. She said, "But there is a comfort in community. But there is a comfort in community." There's a comfort in shared experience and shared experience. And now we have a role model who's shown us what it's going to take. Now, uh, New York Times spoke to some of the women in the association and it breaks down what they had to say about just Jackson's nomination. OK, so you can check that out. Also, these are some brilliant sisters. You can check that out. Um, New York Times name of this article. Once again, we belong in these spaces. Jackson's successors reflect on uh, her nomination. Uh, Washington Post also has a good uh, article and they reference the vote for Thurgood Marshall in 1967. The confirmation vote for Thurgood Marshall was 69 to 11, 69 to 11. Now, this is the year before Dr. King was assassinated. And what's interesting is that Senator Tim Scott, voted no on Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. He voted against her. Now, Senator Edward Brooke, who was a Republican, voted for Thurgood Marshall. Do we have clip two ready? Three to 47 to confirm her. That does mean three Republicans did cross over. Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and Susan Collins. You could also see the smile very broadly across by President Kamala Harris's face as she announced that the vote did pass, that Ketanji Brown-Jackson uh, will be the next Supreme Court justice, replacing Justice Breyer and noting that the White House would be informed of this vote. I'm told Pete Williams joins us. Pete? Sure. This is not the, this is, while it is a close vote, it is not the closest vote in Supreme Court history for a confirmation. Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett both got 52 votes. 
so Katanji Brown Jackson has 53, and Brett Kavanaugh had only 50 when he was confirmed to the Supreme Court four years ago with the support of just one Democrat. So it's it's uh, it's a close vote, but by no means the closest. And Supreme Court confirmation votes uh, used to be very uncontroversial things. Remember that Anthony Scalia, who ended up being one of the Supreme Court's most controversial nominees, was confirmed 98 to nothing. So those days are long gone. It's more a reflection of the uh, partisanship that has uh, taken over the Senate than it is about the qualifications of Supreme Court nominees that these votes have been so close. So that's point one. Point two is, now what? Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson has a decision to make here about whether she will stay on the Court of Appeals until she becomes a justice. She's not a justice yet. This is an important step along the way, but it's not the end of the road. Tomorrow, we think she's going to be at the White House for some sort of ceremonial event, perhaps the constitutional oath. That still doesn't do it. She still has to take the judicial oath. And that won't be administered until Stephen Breyer is no longer on the Supreme Court at the end of June or early July. So for now, she's in a, in a holding pattern. And the question is, what does she do? She could continue with her day job, which is a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals here in Washington. But she may wish to step down from that, because if she gets involved in deciding cases that then are appealed to the Supreme Court, she would have to decide whether to recuse herself from those. So it may be she hasn't said her chambers haven't said, but it may be that she'll choose to step down from that for these next few months until the Supreme Court term ends. This is an unusual thing, because normally what happens is a Supreme Court uh, justice announces the intention to step down at the end of the term. And then the confirmation process plays out and the justice goes whipping up to the court just before it convenes on the first Monday in October. That's certainly the way it was for Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. They came toward the end of the summer. So uh, and Amy Coney Barrett, I think, even after the term had already started. So Ketanji Brown Jackson will have uh, the whole summer to get ready. But there is this overlap period. It's happened five times before in history, but those periods were always just a few days. I think the longest one was 14 days when we went from Chief Justice Earl Warren to Chief Justice Warren Berger. There was a 14-day overlap. But this one is so much longer because... All right. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. Um, we're out of time here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. Uh, follow us at The African History Network on Facebook. And our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes, and we'll tell you what's going on in Texas with this divisive concept uh, bill, anti-critical race theory bill that targets colleges, what can be taught in colleges and universities. Um, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online classes I teach on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. And we have a lot of content already archived, so you can – uh, start watching right away. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. All right, remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. And uh, we'll, uh, our Sunday show is 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, let me go to... Um, Go back to this article here from the Washington Post quickly.
So the historic resonance of the moment uh, has been tempered by the polarized reception that Judge Jackson received in the Senate, which was which has been uh, riven by a escalating series of grievances or white grievance surrounding judicial nominations stretching back four decades. Judge Jackson's tally fell considerably short of those earned by previous trail trailblazing nominees, such as Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice who was confirmed 69 to 11 in 1967. And Senator Ed Brooke, who was the only um, black senator at the black Republican senator, Senator Ed Brooke voted for Thurgood Marshall. Here you have Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina, who votes against Katanji Brown Jackson, black Senator Tim Scott. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman, was confirmed 99 to 0 in 1981. Okay. So check this out uh, also from uh, the Washington Post. And the name of this article here from the uh, Washington Post, Senate confirms Jackson as first black woman on Supreme Court. Senate confirms Jackson as first black woman on Supreme Court. All right. We'll talk, we'll talk more about this on our Sunday show. Um, I want to go to this. Uh, let's see, let me, uh, let me go ahead and squeeze this clip in here because um, on deadline white house today on MSNBC, um, Nicole Wallace spoke with um, the Dean of uh, Harvard Law School, okay? Let me cue this up, hold on just a second here. We'll get that up. Um, just a second here. So, um, uh, Danielle Holly Walker, Danielle Holly Walker, who's the Dean and Professor of Howard University uh, Law School, okay? So uh, Nicole Wallace spoke with her today on uh, Deadline White House. Let's go to this clip. The nays are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. An historic vote in the U.S. Senate today confirming Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the United States Supreme Court. Of course, she becomes the first black woman to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Here was, was uh, Judge Jackson watching the vote with President Joe Biden, who nominated her just 42 days ago. They watched that moment we just played you together. Bipartisan support in the end for her place on the nation's highest court from all 50 Democrats and three Republicans, which these days is not nothing, much more than the simple Senate majority than she needed. Judge Jackson will officially be sworn in this summer when Justice Stephen Breyer's term ends. It's a major win for the country, for the president, for representation, 
and four Democrats overall. She faced opposition from every Republican who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee amid six weeks of polarizing and offensive attempts by some to paint her as some sort of left-wing radical soft on crime. Republicans unsuccessfully trying to discredit her impressive background and record, bringing more judicial experience to the job than any sitting justice when they were nominated. Let's bring into our coverage Danielle Holly-Walker, Dean and Professor of Howard University Law School. Here with us at the table, it's so nice to say that, Eddie Glaude, Chair of the Department of African American Studies at Princeton University, also an MSNBC political analyst. And Joe Lockhart is here. He's former White House Press Secretary for President Bill Clinton. It's a pleasure to have you both. But let me start with you, Danielle, your reaction to today's confirmation. It was just a really exciting moment. I was in our moot courtroom with, in a packed moot courtroom with my students. 70% uh, of my students are black women. Um, there was a huge celebration as we saw the confirmation occur. I think this is an important moment for all Americans to see that the doors of opportunity are open at every level of the legal profession. And to have such an outstanding, brilliant jurist like Judge Jackson be the first black woman on the Supreme Court and also her background as a public defender. I think there is so much to celebrate on this historic day. Danielle, tell me more about what your students said, because I've seen some reporting um, from some women that, that reporters have talked to saying, that's fine, I'm, I'm fine to be second. But I know my career, I, I saw Joe's colleague, Didi Myers, at the podium, and I thought, oh, my God, I could do that. Maybe not at the White House, but I could do a job like that. It's, it's a huge thing. T t tell me more what you heard from your students. I mean, it's a really big deal because we have to remember that only 70 black women in the history of the United States have ever served in the federal judiciary. So this isn't just about one Supreme Court seat. It's about the idea that black women should be serving at every level of our federal judiciary and every level in our state judiciary. And I think it really gives my students and students around the country and people, little girls around the country, the opportunity to say, even though I may never become a Supreme Court justice, I do have the opportunity to become a judge, to become a law firm partner, to become a federal public defender. All of the things that they saw in Justice Jackson's background, they now know that they can also do those things. And I agree, Nicole, it's a powerful moment. I was the first, I was the first black woman on a faculty at a public school in the South. Um, and it meant a great deal. I wasn't the last. And I think that's what this really means today. She will be the first, but she will not be the last. And it is a very powerful moment for that reason. And Danielle, from the sublime to the um, ugly, her treatment from all the Republicans, well, not all of them, but, but many of the Republicans from the Judiciary Committee was, you know, in my view, a national embarrassment. Um, what do you think about what she was subjected to to get here to today? You know, it was just really disappointing. It was disheartening, especially when we were promised a a respectful process. I think uh, the treatment that she received by many of the Republican senators was absolutely unacceptable. Um, we know that she was barraged with negative talking points that had nothing to do with her record. For example, when she was asked about critical race theory, um, and we know that that has nothing to do with the work that she's done as a judge, won't have anything to do with her work as a Supreme Court justice, but yet she was being asked those questions. So I think it was a very unfair uh, hearing that she got in many ways, but we saw her really rise above it, even though she shouldn't have had to do 
do that. She right. had the capability to rise above it and show tremendous amounts of grace. So, Eddie, I mean, on that point, Lindsey Graham is like the human incarnation of the button that pops on your pants, revealing the reality of your COVID weight gain. He voted for her right. last time. And, and it, as though we needed you know, to out the Republicans for their purely maniacal political motives couldn't bring himself to vote for her this time. Right. I mean, we know the Republican Party in so many ways reveal, they reveal, it reveals itself over and over again to be a kind of citadel of hypocrisy. Um, we saw that lone image of Mitt Romney clapping for yeah. uh, Judge uh, Brown Jackson while the Democrats celebrated, but all the others kind of walked out cynically as if something didn't happen that was in fact historic. Yeah. I was thinking about this though. You know, there are these moments in our political lives where there the, there's the eruption of possibility. The eruption oh, of possibility. That. And what do I mean by that? There, there are these moments which allow our political imaginations to expand. And there are these moments when something that we didn't think was possible, we had jokes about the black president, first black president, whether it's Dave Chappelle or Richard Pryor, we thought about it. But this never crossed our mind. Just imagine what's going to happen this summer. It's going to be the first black female, black vice president, female black vice president, and the first Supreme Court justice. That's going to happen at once. And so suddenly what we think is possible expands. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but the world that's possible comes to our imaginations. So the political imagination expands for a moment. Now we then have to ask ourselves the question, now what? But just for this moment, there's the eruption of possibility. And I don't know enough about our broken sort of, sort of pessimistic politics right now to know if this will happen. But President Joe Biden should be associated with that eruption of possibility. Do, do you think, I mean, th this is, this is a brilliant nomination. This was as clean of a nomination process as you can get in this, in this badly hobbled body um, that debased itself in that committee with their treatment of her. But this is not something that happens without a, a president who, who makes a thoughtful pick and a White House that runs a, a, a tight confirmation process. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of inside baseball for how you run the nomination process. And you're right, this was flawless. And they're not always flawless. Um, we can, we certainly can remember the last uh, or two ago, um, uh, Mr. Kavanaugh, that was not flawless. Uh, and that was uh, the fault of some of the staff who were involved. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with my colleagues. And I can't add to it because I can't say it more eloquently. But what I have been struck with over the last few days, and actually the last few months, it's not what's being said. It's what's not being said. Hmm. No one in the Republican Party stands up to someone who calls her a pedophile or implies mm. it. No one in the Republican Party stands up and say she's not a political terrorist. No one in the Republican Party gets up and says she's not a Nazi sympathizer. There's no floor for the offensiveness of the Republican Party but there's also no one willing to stand up and say it's wrong. All right. So that was uh, from the day deadline white house. So uh, you can check out that clip at msnbc.com. Uh, name of that. Let me go to this here. Name of that clip is 
The confirmation of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson opens an eruption of possibility, opens an eruption of possibility. That's uh, from Deadline White House, Deadline White House, Nicole Wallace's show. You heard uh, Dean and Professor of Howard University uh, Law School, uh, Danielle Holly Walker. Uh, you heard uh, Princeton University's Eddie Glaude and former White House Press Secretary Joe Lockhart, Joe Lockhart. Joe Lockhart. All right. Okay, so we'll talk about this more on uh, our Sunday show. On Sundays, we're on 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to go to this next story here. And this is out of Tennessee. So Fox, uh, Fox 13 Memphis uh, has this story. And I need to cue this up here. We've talked about critical race theory here on the show a number of times. And how Republicans are writing these anti-critical race theory bills and just calling anything that deals with um, race or racism or history, slavery, civil rights, things like this, just calling it critical race theory. There's a story here. Uh, Tennessee divisive Tennessee divisive concept bill targeting colleges advances. Okay, so this is from March 21st, 2022. And this bill has passed the Tennessee State House and State Senate. It's expected to be signed into law by Governor Bill Lee, who's a Republican. Uh, this article is from March 21st, 2022. Uh, there's a, there's a Article from uh, NewsOne.com and Black America Web on this as well. Tennessee House and Senate passes bill prohibiting critical race theory in colleges where C CRT is supposed to be taught. They have an article from April 4th, 2022, which was the 54th anniversary of the, of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, so uh, a Republican lawmakers, so Republican lawmakers in Tennessee are nearing uh, final passage of legislation that would allow uh, students and staffers, allow students and staffers to sue public colleges and universities if they feel they've been unfairly punished for not accept for not accepting divisive concepts for not accepting divisive concepts. Now the state Senate passed the bill on Monday. Uh, this is late March following suit after the state house approved a similar version earlier in uh, the month of March. And I want to go to, uh, this clip here from, um, News Channel 5 out of Tennessee also that deals with this story. So let me cue this up as well. Okay. So, however, both GOP-controlled chambers will need to hash out differences on how the bill will be enforced before it could be sent to the desk of Republican Governor Bill Lee. Now, the bill is part of a slate of bills 
Republicans have introduced this year targeting what con- targeting what concepts and issues should be addressed in Tennessee's education system. Uh, this latest measure would prohibit public colleges and universities from punishing students and staffers that do not agree with certain ideas and open them up to lawsuits if they violate the measure. Now, Senator Jeff Yarbrough, uh, who opposed the bill, Democratic Senator Jeff Yarbrough, who opposed the bill, said, I don't think what we've got in in these definitions is exactly clear. And I think what it does is invites conflict and invites challenge because a lot of these bills are not very clear and it creates anxiety and uh, creates a lot of uncertainty for the teachers and in this case, professors. Now past uh, press by reports last month in February, 2022, Sexton declined to give a specific example of a student or staffer, hold on, let me see, okay. Uh, okay, did I miss something? Okay, let's see, Jeff Yarbrough. Okay, pressed by reporters last month, Sexton declined to give a specific example of a student or staffer who had been harmed for disagreeing with a particular controversial topic. Instead, Sexton said the bill was needed so Tennessee could be proactive, could be proactive after hearing of incidents around the country. All right. Uh, Rep- uh, McNally, who's in the state legislature, has also spoken favorably about the concept, saying professors need to, quote, stick to what they what they're supposed to be teaching, end quote. Um, all right. Let me go to this clip here from. I'm going to go to this clip here from News Channel 5 out of Tennessee. Just a second here. What's being taught at Tennessee's public colleges and universities heads that would change what's being taught at Tennessee's public colleges and universities heads for a full Senate vote today. Now, it would make it against the law for students in public universities to have to agree with what the state legislature deems are divisive concepts to receive a better grade. News Channel 5's Aaron Cantrell joins us live from the state capitol here in Nashville this morning with more on this. So, Aaron, what are some of the concepts that they deem to be divisive? Well, Ben, lawmakers did give a few examples of those. So one being one race or sex is superior or inferior to the other. Another example they provided is that someone's race or sex is a determining factor in an individual's moral character. So these are discussions that's going to take place today as the Senate votes on this. But lawmakers say the bill as written would not specifically ban the teaching of so-called critical race theory as long as students were free to disagree with it out fear of being penalized in the class. Now, sponsor Representative Ron Gant says the bill puts up the necessary guardrails to ensure diversity efforts don't become the divisive efforts. Now, this bill will even give students the option to sue the school if they think part of the proposed law has been violated. While we believe that public, po- uh, public college students and employees should be able to decide what topics 
which they wish to engage in, we maintain that it should be just that, a decision. This bill takes aim at any mandated injection of it, adherence to these divisive concepts as a prerequisite for graduation, promotion, tenure, or to be hired. Democrats have raised some concerns about the law. They say that they're hoping the truth will still be told in the classrooms. Now, it already has passed the House, and it's on the calendar today for the Senate. And if that is approved, then it will head over to the governor's office, and it will await his final signature. So, of course, we will continue to follow this bill and keep you updated. I'll send it back to you all. All right. So that was from News Channel 5 out of uh, Tennessee. Uh, this is the article here from news1.com. Tennessee House and Senate passes bill prohibiting critical race theory in colleges where CRT is supposed to be taught. So the House voted 66 to 24. Now, this article is from April 4th, 2022. The House voted 66 to 24 to approve the bill and the uh, and the Senate voted 20 the the texas the tennessee state senate voted 25 to 5 putting the ball in the court uh, now it goes to uh governor bill lee republican governor of tennessee and it's house bill 2670 house bill 2670 um they picked up this article here from uh, ballot ballotpedia news but according to Ballotpedia News on March 30th, 2022, the Tennessee legislature passed yet another anti-critical race theory bill that has nothing to do with CRT and everything to do with the fact Republicans deal in propaganda, fragility, and racism. Um, if we look here at the language, okay. So House Bill 2670 would prohibit a public institution, prohibit a public institution of higher education from taking certain actions with regard to divisive concepts and the ideologies or political viewpoints of students and employees, uh, end quote. And because the language in this bill is vague and senseless, Ballopedia uh, uh, Ballopedia's explanation uh, of the bill says the bill, quote, aims to prohibit, aims to prohibit an individual's views on critical race theory from influencing decisions about hiring, tenure, promotion, or graduation in the state's higher education institutions. Okay, so check, uh, check this out here at news1.com. Um, also, and they have the link here, uh, read the article here from Ballotpedia. Let me go over to this one here for Ballotpedia. It was, it, it was hard to really find updated information on this, and I, it was really hard to find any clips from local news sources on this story maybe once it's signed in the law by governor bill lee there'll be more information about it Ball uh, ballotpedia has a story from april 4th 2022 tennessee legislature passes bill 
to prohibit teaching certain divisive concepts in higher education. Okay. Um, and they talk about House Bill 2670. House Bill 2670. Now, Tennessee State Representative Ron Grant, Republican, released the following statement. Any curriculum promoting, promoting the narrative that white privilege or racism is alive and well in Tennessee does not accurately reflect our state our education system or its residents any curriculum this is see this is what happens when idiots get into elected get into elective office they can write bills and pass bills that then impact the lives of everyone else tennessee state representative ron grant republican released the following statement about the bill, House Bill 2670, the Divisive Concepts Bill. Any curriculum promoting the narrative that white privilege or racism is alive and well in Tennessee does not accurately reflect our state, our public education system, or its residents. Our students deserve much better. This bill empowers employees and students of all races on our college campus to think for themselves free from fear of discrimination and without being coerced to embrace any specific ideology or political viewpoint. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but your viewpoint should be rooted in facts. Tennessee, racism doesn't exist in Tennessee. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race, which comes out of the ideology of European white supremacy. So there's no racial wealth gap in Tennessee. There's no educational gap in Tennessee. African-Americans make the same amount of money as, as white people in Tennessee. There's no, there's no uh, a wage, uh, there's no racial wage gap in Tennessee. There's no racial median net worth gap in Tennessee. Opponents of HB 2670 argue it is an attack on what they describe as marginalized communities. It is an attack on what they describe as marginalized communities. Quote, to take students' ability to learn about those things away is not right, said Tennessee State Senator uh, London Lamar. And she was on, uh, London Lamar was on MSNBC on Wednesday. Uh, talking about something else. London Lamar added most courses on diversity or issues regarding racism or gender studies are electives, so you can choose to take those classes. Okay. Okay, so the House voted 66 to 24 to approve... Um, the bill and the Senate followed 25 to uh, five. Okay, the bill was pending further action by Governor Bill Lee as of March 30th. 
So we'll keep you posted on what happens here. But check out, read this article here from uh, Ballotpedia.org. Tennessee legislature passes bill to prohibit teaching certain divisive concepts in higher education. All right, look, um, we have to get out of here. Hey, if you'd like this type of information, you can support the African History Network because we definitely need your support. Dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And uh, give us a heart, give us a thumbs up, give us a like on on, on the broadcast, uh, on Facebook and YouTube, on this video, hit the like button, hit the heart button. But you can also support us. This helps us stay on the air, keep doing the research, uh, pay some of the bills, etc. And then uh, be sure to register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, um, 1865 to 1968. We have a lot of the content already archived. You don't have to worry about being in class at a certain time. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. And you can go back and watch it any time. Even a year from now, you still have full access. You can go back and watch the uh, entire course. All right. Okay. We'll post that information here. All right. We have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. I'll be on Rolling March and Unfiltered on Friday. And then uh, Sunday, our show Sunday is 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Sunday. So uh, we'll be back on Sunday. Talk to you next time. Peace. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. 
Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Follow the story Skeeter Hawk as attorney Ben Brooks rediscovers his Gullah Geechee heritage and finds romance along the Gullah Trail and the Sea Islands. Jilted by his fiancée who refused to marry him, Ben Brooks goes back home to Gullah country. There, the Gullah people come to call him Skeeter Hawk. While rediscovering his heritage, Skeeter Hawk unravels dark family secrets. A beautiful childhood friend, Fulla, becomes his guide as they travel the Gullah Trail from North Carolina to the Sea Islands in South Carolina in search of more answers. Ben Brooks falls in love with her and becomes torn between her and his former fiance who wants to rekindle their romance. He also deals with a premonition that one of his enemies is pursuing him, providing a backdrop for mystery, romance, intrigue, and suspense in this page-turning novel called Skeeter Hawk from author Sabby Stone. Order your copy today at SavvyStone.com. That's S-A-B-Y, SavvyStone.com. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, 
Our handcrafted skincare and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. 